Welcome back to, to the, the Dead, Dead to the, the World, World podcast. podcast. I'm Lexi. I'm Mama Don. And I'm Tasha. And we welcome you once again. It's spooky season officially now. I know. 100% officially. 100%. That the whole world is on the same page, not just us. Yeah. Speaking. Everyone's Halloween decorations are up now, so it's official. And I hope you notice we've we've been trying to create a little spooky vibe. That was like last we week have. it was voodoo. And we love some spookiness. This year we're going to have a little spooky. This year. This week. This episode. <laughs> it's going to be a little spooky. We'll get into what it is in a minute. But I have a burning question. That's been driving me nuts. A okay. burning bush. Alexis. Oh, no. What? Oh, sorry. Lexi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How did the saging of the desk at your office go? Okay. Oh. Actually. Wait, I didn't know you did it. No, it hasn't been done. That's oh. the problem. And hear me out. So, because we went on a trip. I thought that they did it while we were in California when we all went to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And so I said something about it yesterday at work and they're like, oh, we didn't do it because the new girl that sits in that desk didn't show up. So I was like, oh man, like we saged the desk and everything. And they were like, we actually didn't sage the desk. So somebody who took a job and was supposed to sit at that desk didn't show up for work. Yes, but then I put my manager hat on and went and looked in our request off files and she had actually requested the day off. (laughs) So I was like, we're good. (laughs) So far, so good. It wasn't a bad turn of events. Well, we need to sage it. We already were saying next time she's gone, we're just going to... And then when she comes in, she's like, hmm, why does my desk area smell so, like, uh, sagey? Like, it was for the best, we promise. <laughs> I actually really like her, too, so I'll be sad. We have your best interests at heart. Yes, genuinely. We need to sage your desk. Hey, when we do make some merch, too, well, we have some merch. Actually, you know what? Let's throw in, we should do a giveaway this Halloween-y season with a shirt. Oh. Well, we only have two weeks to go, but yeah, well, I'm sure we can figure I'll out something. I'll post it tonight. Well, you know what? Okay. <laughs> She's posting it tonight. So if you're listening tonight. to this, she posted it like four days ago. So go look at it. <laughs> uh, but what I was going to say is we should get some merch that says Sage the Desk. Sage oh, the Desk. Oh, that's hilarious. Just do it. Sage the Desk. I can gift one to all my coworkers. Oh, that'd, that'd be so awesome. Funny. I have a question Anyways. for you guys that I okay. think about every single time I'm at mom's house in the guest bathroom specifically. Weird. And then by the time I leave, I don't ever think about it until I'm in there again. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is, there used it looks like there used to be like a hanger hung up yeah. by the bathroom or and something. And a body yeah. was hung and there. And one of them, the little marks it left behind looks like a little smiling face. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I do. And every time I sit in there, I look at it and I just go kind of, huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I move on with my life. Everyone's like, like, am I cute? the only one who does this? <laughs> well, every time I see it, I think, damn, I really need to paint this bathroom. Oh. See, don't cover <laughs> up the smiley face. Should we post a picture of it? If you it's, want to, it, you can. You know what I'm talking about, <laughs> I, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's Unless right. I've seen it and stared at it so much that it's like, I can't think it's of it. It's by because the it's, picture that's hanging there now, yeah, right? To the right. right. And the, the not the top little indent of where it's it was hung the up, but the bottom, bottom one. one. And it looks like two little eyes and just a face going. Like with its mouth open. <laughs> yeah. Going, hey. Feed me fries. Dang. I was just wondering if just my brain worked like that. <laughs> if it was everyone. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I know I myself like to imagine personality in inanimate objects so yes i notice smiley faces and like thumbs up and jesus in all kinds of things <laughs> just <laughs> oh, like the virgin mary too uh, just like that just reminded me of that um sign or home decor piece you can put in your home that you can buy like hobby lobby or something and it's like uh wash your hands and say your prayers because jesus and germs are everywhere oh yeah <laughs> that's, I funny. Think that's funny i've never heard that <laughs> oh really no that's funny yeah so, and uh, we are back from our Disneyland adventure to... Unfortunately. Yeah. So, I guess three things. 
Disneyland is not the most magical place on earth. We were lied to. Most magical place on <laughs> earth, my ass. <laughs> just no. kidding. We had a great time, but just note to anybody who's planning on going there in the future, if you don't buy the Genie Pass and get like the lightning lane. Don't go. You will just sadly stare at those people as they go onto the ride and you're still standing there. And yeah, like I'm a Disney lover, as we all know. And like, I think for the first time in my life, I was genuinely like, Disappointed. Disappointed, like pissed off. Like, okay, I'm ticked. Like, I'm not happy here. Like, and I never am not happy at Disney, but it was like the first time ever that I was like, okay, like, I'm not happy with the way Disney is running things. Like, this is ridiculous. And it would, if a line got super long, so say it was like a two hour wait or something, they would just close it. Mm-hmm. Make everybody leave, and then you would have to go stand oh, yeah, back yeah. in line again. And we figured that out. We 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 like gypped the way they were doing the system. Fact, but we studied their behavior. <laughs> yes, <laughs> correct. Over our two days, we were there, and this is what we decided. We don't know if it's true, but it seemed like if you had a genie pass and you had access to the lightning line, if the lightning line got to be more than. I don't know, maybe a half hour wait or something, they would just shut the ride down. down. Yeah. So if you're at Disney, maybe we shouldn't share this. No, I'm just kidding. If you're at Disney and you're standing in Splash Mountain's line for an hour and all of a sudden they close it and they make you leave and you're like, are you freaking serious? Yeah, I'd be mad too. And we were mad when that happened. Well, actually, that didn't happen to us. It didn't happen to us. Well, because day one, we bought the Genie Pass. Because, I mean, sorry, yes. We experienced day one. We were like, wow, I've been in this car's ride line for like two and a half hours. Um, I want to die. And I'm watching all these other people go on the ride. So then we were looked up the Fast Pass situation while waiting there and got it the next day. Yeah, the replacement Fast Pass. Yes. Yeah, anyway, so basically, well, I guess... I feel like this is more. It's so complicated. Basically, basically, here's the deal: if you need help with a genie plus pass, because it's very and want the ins and outs, email us at Dead to the World Podcast and request Tasha. I will help you. You know what? We'll have Tosh make a whole outline for you, and I'll just keep it on deck so that anyone asks about Disney, I'm copy paste. Here you go. I think yeah. Tasha talked to a cast member like every couple of hours. Yeah, the they were they we were, were joking about like you know how cast members at Disney give you buttons. They're joking that for every cast member I talked to, I was going to get a button. So like, oh, you're not covered in buttons yet. <laughs> we're like, you should have been covered in buttons. Then after Disneyland, it did not matter where we were, the hotel, a restaurant. <laughs> Tasha's just talking to literally everyone. <laughs> just, On the bright side, Haunted Mansion. Amazing. Decorated out for it was so awesome. the, the Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas. Christmas. Freaking amazing. And guess what? Awesome. Because we had the Lightning Pass system all set up, we did not wait in a normal line once for that ride, and we went more than once. Yeah, and pretty much for that day, the only one we had to wait in line for was that Star Wars one. I don't remember what the name oh, was. Oh, yeah, yeah. That ride. I don't remember. They have too many names. I'll yeah. make a name up. The Rise of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds legit. That is the only ride we actually had to like stand and wait in the standby quote unquote line. Yeah. And it was like an hour and like a half, I yeah. think. Because the, they didn't use the lightning lane for that. You had to pay specifically. Yeah, well, they had it, but you had to pay that. extra for that. It's so stupid. Basically, anyway, so. Disney wants all your money, but we're all a bunch of fangirls that we give it to them at the end of the day. That's Correct. True. And I have to think about it too. They were shut down for over a year. Yeah. So they're trying they to make money. their money back. And we're trying to cure our we're depression. We're trying to save our, yeah. <laughs> Adult, so that's what Disney adults are, right? Yeah. So we're not saying don't go. We're just saying uh, do your research so that you can actually enjoy your trip. 
especially yes. if you're going to take kids. Because I just felt really bad for the oh, families, no. too, that had, like, young kids waiting in those lines. And then they'd get shut down. And yeah. I would hear so many kids just upset. They're like, oh, are all we going to do is stand in line Yeah, or, today? like, literally kids would cry. cry. Like, yeah, it made me so Oh, sad. my gosh. My oh, heart broke. The Little Mermaid ride closed down after this girl, all dressed <gasps> up as Little Mermaid, had been waiting for forever. And she was crying. And I felt so oh. bad. And I so, think that yeah. I just don't think Walt would be very happy. I agree. He'd be ticked off. Because they're just. Let's get a Ouija board. <laughs> well, I just feel <laughs> like. Hey, Walt, how you feel about this? <laughs> okay. I'll just. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm not rich. I didn't grow up with money. Mm-hmm. These children here, they did not grow up, up with a lot of money. So True. when we went to Disneyland and stuff like that, it was a big sacrifice for us to make this vacation happen. So, you know, if you have five kids and you have to pay $20 extra a day for that genie pass that's, that's a expensive lot of money. and especially like on top of the f- how expensive the, the food, food and is, stuff is yeah. and actually now it's 25 oh yeah they, they just by five bucks already already yeah we were there a week ago <laughs> <laughs> but i'm just saying i i just feel sad that it's uh being super catered to rich people yeah, yeah. and then people who don't have that money are not getting a good experience Agreed. So, or opinion. even if you have that money, like that's a lot of money to spend to go to a amusement park. park. Yeah, true. You know, I mean, yeah. it's the happiest place on earth, apparently. But apparently, <laughs> they really ask for a lot. Okay. And then, sorry, we're we're kind of going <laughs> it's off. Been sorry, so long it's about been a this. long time since we just sat in a room and talked to each other. This is what happens. <laughs> and then the biggest bummer for me personally is that I left Disneyland with COVID. Zero <sighs> out of ten. So I got back to work and I've been working from home for the last week because, you know, I don't want to spread COVID around and and it's making me super emotional. So if I I'm cry, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I, I tested it was negative, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was false because I can't taste anything. I can't smell anything. I mean, granted, I am stuffy, but like I can't even taste yeah. like nothing. Like anything I eat, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Can't sleep, fever, chills, my body hurts, headache, like it's awful. I wouldn't be surprised. But you know what we are excited about? To talk to you guys today about mortuaries. <laughs> oh, yes. Let's actually get to our topic. We that apologize. That is a very bad for transition. A big rant. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> From COVID to mortuary. Ooh. I didn't think about the implications there. So that is, we didn't do that on purpose, but just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, Lexi. No. I just didn't want to bore you to death with our rantings. So we yeah. should honestly, probably get started. How long has it been? 10 minutes. And oh, honestly, that was only 10 minutes. I think <laughs> that people enjoyed our Disney conversation because it was a little bit different than just, you know. True. I don't know. The people listening right now honestly, are like, we came for sleep stuff. <laughs> sometimes, you know what? Hold on. Let's take a okay. moment. Sometimes I think that if we were just to sit and record us talking like we did with the Disney and just move on with like, it we could do a whole episode so and I would genuinely listen to that and be like, wow, yeah, they're yeah. right. I like that. I like podcasts where they just talk about too. random stuff. So you're welcome. We changed it a bit and not on purpose, but there you go. All right. So am I good to go or do we have more no, stuff I think we you're want good. to talk about? I think you're good. More we'll actually give the people time. what they think they came here for. <laughs> more jewelry, which isn't even sleep this yeah, time. <laughs> true. Because <laughs> so, it's spooky season. Oddly enough, I have a fascination with people who choose to be morticians. That honestly, I don't think that's weird because it is fascinating. Because why? Yeah, like what? what <laughs> because I'm, I'm glad someone wants to do it. Well, and I grew up. My best friend, when I was like in first and second grade, his he lived with his grandparents, and they ran the mortuary in our city. And he would tell me stories about things that would happen, and yeah, it, it's just fascinating. And so I thought, what better time 
to maybe sneak in something that's not so much, you know, sleep related, kind of go with our, you know, the title of the podcast, Dead to the World. We're going to go towards more of the dead side of the dead to the world today. It'd be like that sometimes. And, and I figured. I'll go. And okay. Halloween coming up. It would oh, be a good sure, time sure. to talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Dead people, bodies, funeral homes. Skeletons. Ghost very, stories maybe. Very spooky. Yeah, yeah. So, but for me, like I mentioned, I'm so curious. So I kind of went with more of a historical route. Okay. Okay. So I hope that you enjoy. So. Well, I hope I do too. (laughs) Me too. And I just want to do a shout out to Donald V. Brogwart's funeral home in Bellevue, Maryland. They have a whole blog and it's like filled up with a ton of information. And that's where I got this mortician's history from. Information about what exactly? (laughs) Um, they had <laughs> yeah, information the online, green burials. Oh, under trees? Yeah. And they had like these wicker baskets that you could be buried in so that you could just I've kind of decompose. Yeah, I've heard wicker this. basket. Yeah. Like a, like wicker furniture. Like a coffin that's shaped, that's yes, made out of sorry. wicker. I meant. <laughs> I was picturing like <laughs> a basket baskets that people have in their houses. <laughs> I meant to say coffin. I said basket. Okay, a I was wicker like, coffin. Was, oh, I, I literally like, just thought about a picnic basket cut up to fit in there. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Well, and it talked about like, <laughs> you know, cremations and how to plan a cremation sp- ash spreading ceremony. And it was just a lot of advice on different things that you can do with your burial. Mm-hmm. So then that way, if you want to do your research beforehand and tell your family what you want to do, there's lots of options. So visit their website. It was really good. Well, what's the website? Um, it is, well, I'll, the blog. It's blog.bogwartsfuneralhome. And it's, I'm saying it wrong. It's B-O-R-G-W-A-R-D-T. Will you put it in the show notes? I will do that. Thank okay, you. There you go. All right. So a mortician's history. Sorry. I have a question. Maybe you're about to cover this in the mortician's history, but when you get (laughs) cremated, do you go to a mortician still and they just cremate you there or do you go somewhere else? I think um, it depends. Some uh, mortuaries do have a cremation area. I was going to say, I think they do Yeah, but then I'm like, is a mortician specifically just take, embalm, whatever it's called? Embalm. So, and this will talk about it a little bit. But a mortician is also a funeral director. Yes. So they they do more than just embalming a body. But okay. yes, the embalming services would not be needed if you were choosing to be cremated. So yeah, yeah, because then your body's dust. I know. So do they not? But so is there like a cremation version of a mortician? I don't think so. No. I think a mortician does thing, everything. I think, okay. I think or, I, we, we could be wrong. I don't know you the know what, answer like, to that. I'm sorry. It just you popped into my up. head. Okay. So... Most mortuaries, did I say that right? I'm just looking at Tasha because she ate some candy and the bag jiggled. That's okay. It's Sorry. Halloween. <laughs> so true. But we do have a cauldron of candy sitting in front of us. It'd be like that. Trick or treat. Did I say mortuary correctly? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Most mortuaries have crematation. A crematorium. <laughs> We're a mess. A crematorium. A crematorium. But you have to have a crematation certification. Okay. Mm. So NFDA cremation certification is what it's called. So not just any Tom, Dick, or Harry can cremate people. Yes. You got to know what you're doing. Just the same with being a mortician too, you, as you will learn soon. So, I'm ready. Although, although a mortician's job is an integral part of the funeral home and the services they provide, the fact is that some professions, and that of a mortician is one, have serious PR problems when it comes to dis- 
describing the work that they do, especially when people don't like to think about the nuts and bolts of the job. <laughs> Would you like to get your phone? Yes, please. Tasha saw her phone across the room just now, and she like put her hands out like she was like some Jedi, like <laughs> trying to bring it to her with the, her mind. Okay, I'm good now. Okay. Uh, janitors are custodial technicians. Garbage collectors have become waste management engineers, and bartenders are mixologists. Mixologists. Yep. The names add glamour to the jobs that don't always have much glamour involved in the actual work performed. In much the same way, that is how a mortician's job, or how a mortician got its job title. So let's clarify what morticians do. They prepare bodies, including embalming them, for visitations and burials. They were formerly called undertakers, which originally meant that the person who undertook to make all the funeral arrangements, but became designated embalmers. However, the job was so closely tied to death that it took a dark and sinister meaning as time passed. So an undertaker, you just think. So that totally makes sense because remember when we were at Albu- in Albuquerque, New Mexico, that ghost tour uh-huh. and that big tree in front of that house on the corner, oh. they were like, oh yeah, the undertaker used to be here. And I'm over there like, what? The oh, f- yeah. What? what? Like, wh- What's who are you talking? Like, what? And then, <laughs> and then when they said something else, I'm like, oh, it must have been a funeral home because yep. I connected the dots, but I didn't know what undertaker was. Yeah, that makes it sound so scary. Yeah, I think undertaker, so I was born in the 70s, like 74, and I think undertaker was still used a little bit around that time, but... And, but they don't they don't go by that anymore, obviously. So uh, the particular job in the funeral process is not very sexy, with the possible exception of Frederico Diaz, the mortician who talks to the dead in the HBO series Six Feet Under. Which, oddly enough, both articles that I read mentioned that move, that show on HBO. So guess who's going to have to start watching it? You Me. are you. <laughs> Nor is it one that many people are likely to choose as a profession. The name change from undertakers to morticians was first proposed in 1895 in the Embalmers Monthly. Oh, Embalmers Monthly. That's a long time from (laughs) 1974. (laughs) So I may be wrong about the term of undertaker being used that long. That's okay. We'll forgive you. I know nothing. So the Embalmers Monthly, a funeral business trade magazine, where it sounded more user-friendly and it distanced itself from the business in hand, which was death, of course. During the Civil War, embalmers became a standard funeral practice out of the military necessity. Until then, only medical schools used embalming to preserve cadavers for research. After President Lincoln was embalmed for his trip that took 13 days from Washington, D.C. to Springfield, Illinois, where he was buried. Illinois. Sorry, Illinois. I know, I do that all the time. Uh, embalming became customary as part of the funeral arrangements for burial. It is a professional industry and not one that just anyone can do. There is much education and training involved because morticians not only embalm the body, but they also handle cosmetic repairs and shaping, especially in the face, which can be contorted in death. Washing and dressing the body and washing and styling the hair. It's very, not to be rude, but it's so creepy. (laughs) Did I talk about on my podcast when we did Aunt Carol's makeup? I think so. Yeah, you did. But just to recap. Yeah, just recap. So this is just something I learned. So my sister-in-law passed away, and the next day they found her, you know, funeral information, and she had requested that 
me and her daughter and daughter-in-law were to do her makeup and hair. Well, the the mortuary had already done it at that point. But when we went, we looked at her and we're like, mm, the makeup's not really what she wore. Hair's not done the way she, li- she would like it. So we came back with all the stuff and we redid it. And after we got started, it wasn't, it, it felt uncomfortable at first, but you kind of got used to it. But the thing is, is it's, the body's not soft. So it's like when you're trying to put on eyeshadow, you literally had to put it on a brush and then just like keep dabbing it because it didn't like the eye, the, what is it, your eyelid? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't like, didn't move, didn't well, spread. Well, I'm assuming also normally you're warm, which helps the product like, like get yeah. melty a little, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Kind of blend in. And you're not melty. Warm anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The only thing that we couldn't find of her makeup was her lipstick. So I used some that I had, which turned out perfect. But I have to admit, I did throw it away afterwards because I was just <laughs> don't like, blame you. No. no That's an interesting experience, it. though. It, it was an interesting experience. And then when my mom passed away, my sister and I went and painted her nails. So, but that's also when I learned because she wasn't in the casket yet. And so we had to move her. A dead body of somebody who maybe only weighed like 130 pounds in life. It's very heavy. So heavy. Really? (laughs) So there you go. I've seen enough murder documentaries to know that one. (laughs) Okay. All right. So uh, because it is, oh, let's see. I read that already. When people say, let's see, I always think they're saying my name. Oh, Lexi. Lexi. Let's see. Like at work, if someone goes, let's see, I'm always like, yes. Like, yes. Huh? <laughs> That's just like Kyle, whenever I say, okay, so yeah. like, I'm going to tell a story and he goes, cheese. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh he gosh. speaks Spanish and like queso's cheese. And so I'm always like, okay, so yesterday. And he's like, cheese. I'm like, shut up. I have the same thing at my office, but it's like, we're going to get that done. But sometimes it sounds like dawn. Mm. Like if I'm not close enough to really hear yeah. exactly what they're saying. So moving on. Sometimes job titles change. Uh, changes work and sometimes they don't. Nobody liked the new job title except for morticians. Word critics claimed that the title was loftier than the profession and it had an air of effectiveness to it. Why were they mad about it? Can you imagine if you're a mortician and people are like, ah, they're just making them sound more qualified than they actually are and you're over here like, "Mm, excuse me? (laughs) Would you like to come do my job? That's what I'd be saying. So it said word scholars didn't like it because they said that it violated the rules of forming new words. All the other words that ended with the same sound took the profession or things like mathematics, electrics, physics, etc. And added an "-ian to the end. So mortician was the exception because the suffix was "-ition". Therefore, it was not a word. That was their argument. They were mad because it wasn't a word. Yes, they're saying that they felt like it was a made-up word because the it didn't thing follow the rules of words at the time. The morticians did or the no other people? Other scholarly people. people. I think people that were... <laughs> so, river. You're so scholarly. You don't like a word. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it might sorry. have been these uh, mathematicians or like physics peoples. I don't know. Because they didn't think of morticians on the same level as them? Guess Correct. what? They're braver than you are. Yeah, I would you like deal to see your little, your little nerdy butt go do that. <laughs> Oh, okay, sorry. I shouldn't say we that. got Nobody too deep. We got arms. too deep. <laughs> so, but the morticians pr- uh, proved that they were stronger than the critics, and the job title is still around today. Good. Prove Their them wrong. word formation has been extended in the English language, not always well or successfully, but one that endures is beautician. Oh. oh. And guess who in our little circle is a beautician? Tasha. Tasha. She has her cosmetology license. Wow. So. 
There you go. There's, I'm so, so Tosh, I'm, are you mad that it's not really a real word? <laughs> <laughs> no. I feel privileged to be on the realm or circle of that. Um, with a mortician. With a mortician. Good. Yeah. So there you go. That's where the word mortician came from. I thought that that was highly interesting. That is interesting. And then the next one, I wanted to kind of tell a personal story from a funeral director about what they feel like their job is like. And I found this uh, article on... Uh, I think it said Thrillist is the name of the website. It says, I am a funeral director, and yes, my stories are insane. And it's by Morty Port Potero. Rick and Morty. Um, That's the same thing I thought was Rick and Morty. <laughs> Pickle Rick. So yeah, this was published back in July of uh, 2016. It says, for something that literally happens to everyone, death is a remarkably tab- taboo subject in American culture. It makes some sense, though. Who wants to think about the lights going off permanently, let alone deal with the actual logistics of dying? That's why I'm here. I'm a funeral director. I help you with the things you don't want to deal with. No, it's not exactly like Six Feet Under. I told you, it's funny. They referenced the <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, you have to go to school to be a funeral director, at least in New York State. So, and actually, I think you do have to be licensed in any state not just new york i was gonna say good because like that's the fact that that surprises people surprises me because i'm like there's some freaks out there we can't just trust anyone with dead bodies exactly so true i'm just saying and i know my mind just went to a very dark place yeah well and tasha just like being a beautician if you have to have a license to cut people's hair they definitely need to have a license to be embalming a body yeah anyway I mean, how hard can embalming be? No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure it's so difficult. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so it says, everybody always seems surprised when I tell them that. Maybe they think any guy selling bootleg Yankee hats off the street could throw on a suit and ha- start handling funerals and grieving families. That's ridiculous for a lot of reasons. Not only are you dealing with dead bodies, which beyond being frightening to most people can also host all kinds of diseases. But there's also the governmental red tape and transactions that could see tons of thousands of dollars changing hands. It's certainly not a career someone could jump into blindly and excel at, especially given some of the situations I encounter regularly. There are just a few slices of what it's like to be a New York City funeral director, one of the most overlooked but essential careers a person can have. Not a good enough reason, I think, to use the word slices. <laughs> oh, Tosh. That was actually really good. <laughs> and then another thing I thought was, if I was ever going to be a mortician, I think I'd have to do like a, like, you know, follow your mortician to work day or like, you know, bring your... Like, oh, yeah, you'd have to a do little a lot of what do they call, or shadowing. whatever. Yeah, shadowing, that's the word. Job shadowing. <gasps> Not Whoa. a good enough word to use the word shadowing. Shadow. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Kidding. Well, I was going to say, I didn't even think about the fact that if they're directing funerals, they're dealing with, like, grieving family. So you have to have some sort of training with, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, counseling or mental health and stuff to be able to... Well, it's like... So what you mean is they have a heart? No, I'm I'm just just saying, like, there's more to it than just what you do with the body. Well, and um, being a mortician and doing the embalming, and if they have to do repairs, you know, on the body... Like that's, you're basically like being a surgeon. Like, yes, the person's dead, so you don't have to worry about killing them in the process of doing those. <laughs> sorry, it's not it's funny. It's not funny, but I'm sorry. That was kind of funny. But, but yeah, but then you also have to have customer service skills to deal with families and whatnot. So a normal day is never what you think of as a normal day. For starters, I want to clear something up. 
Every now and then I'll run into someone who thinks it's crazy that funeral directors charge money for what we do. It's not. We do the job that other people can't or won't do. We provide a valuable service to the community. We're not looking to rip you off. We're just looking to be compensated for the work that we do. Most people don't have to deal with questions about whether they should make money in exchange for working hard, but death can elicit some strange behaviors in the living. Isn't that true? They're just like, you should do yeah, it I mean, that's kind of true. I mean, I cover that a little bit in mine, so. Do you? Okay. We'll do, I'll do a little more than that, but it is strange to think like, oh, okay. Yeah. You are doing work. We should pay you for it. My normal work days are filled with events most people wouldn't even experience in their lives. Picking up the t- and tending to dead bodies dealing with grieving families, taking funerals out to churches and cemeteries. To put it into perspective, remember the day at work when you spilled coffee on your pants and had to walk around with a huge stain on all day? Well, my version of it involves throwing out a white shirt I was wearing because body fluid got all over it. The body fluid wasn't mine. Yeah. Gross. But just like you, I have massive amounts of paperwork to do. After all, this is a job, is a job, is a job. Hopefully you won't have to attend too many funerals, but if you live long enough, you're almost certainly going to face the music at least a few times. They're rarely pleasant, except for jazz funerals. Everyone should experience a jazz funeral. That's how I want to go out. I do not want my funeral to be depressing. I same. At um, my brother-in-law, his sister's funeral just happened, what was it, six or eight months ago, and they played... Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Dun, and dun. everybody was just like dancing. And I was like, oh, this is what I want in mine. Yeah. So. And you can dance along in your ghostly form. Exactly. So um, so anyway, funerals. In reality, when you, uh, when you have to go to one, there are a few things to keep in mind that will make your experience and the funeral directors much better. There is no official dress code, but don't push it. I understand that this nation is experiencing a full dress-down revolution, but let's evaluate. If you're a male member of a family, a suit is almost a must. If you can't wrangle a suit, slacks and a button-down are acceptable. But try not to dip below that. Polos are borderline and t-shirts are down near disrespectful. I saw a guy walk into my place wearing an Angry Birds shirt, jorts, and Crocs. You're going to a funeral, not a taping of Monday Night Raw. Put in some effort. Angry birds. for the ladies. Just look nice. You have a few more options than the guys, but make sure it's nothing too crazy and no jeans. I swear, once I had a lady walk in for a wake wearing a bikini and a cover-up that didn't quite cover up. I assure you that anything you can wear to the beach isn't appropriate to wear while standing in front of a casket. You don't have to be a MESA member to understand that. (laughs) And I think I might have said that wrong. A MENSA member. And oddly enough, I had no idea what that is. Do you know what a men's head member is? No, I don't. I looked it up, so hopefully you don't find this little segue. Mensa, which is Roland Barrel and Dr. Lance Ware, founded Mensa in 1946 in England. According to America Mensa LTD, the Latin word Mensa has several meanings, mind, table, and month. Mensa was created to serve as a roundtable society for highly intelligent people to meet on a monthly basis. Basement. Now, now an international organization, there are about 100,000 members in 100 countries throughout the world. 
The population of menses, our member, is what the members are called, is extremely diverse. Men, women, children of various nationals, uh, cultures, and religious and social economic backgrounds belong to Mensa. Occupational and professional backgrounds are equally varied. Police officers, homemakers, scientists, truck drivers, physicians, farmers, artists, and many others hold membership in the organization. Although members' ages range from four years to 90-plus years, the two largest age groups are 14, 33, 34, and 53. There is only one criteria for membership in Mensa. Each member must have a high IQ. Oh. So it's like the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah. Or like the Illuminati. I guess I... I had no idea such a place existed. Yeah, me neither. It really wants place to, or group? Well, group, but okay. yeah, their group. They don't, they don't really get together very often. I would imagine since they're all over the world, but they probably have a website that they talk on. But what I'm saying is, am I so dumb? Nobody ever told me that if I just had a high <laughs> IQ, I could join this group. Yeah, well, you probably. You know, only the people with the high IQs find out about it. Which <laughs> yeah. We all just found out about it. So what does that mean? I don't know. We have high IQs now. I guess not. Okay, back to funerals. Funerals are not the time or the place for a buffet. In New York, <laughs> we can't have food in a funeral home. There, This isn't just our rule. It's also the New York State Board of Health rule. Food attracts bugs, vermin, and other unwelcome guests into funeral homes. We know this. The Board of Health knows this. The sign in our lobby is there to let you know it. This doesn't mean all food except the three dozen donuts and a box of coffee. There isn't a gold, this isn't a golden corral. You should be able to handle going two or three hours without food. It's why most wakes are split up, so you have a couple of hours for dinner in between. One day, somebody tried to bring in four pizzas and a case of beer for a wake. I was tempted to let him, because, you know, who doesn't love pizza? But I had to stop him at the door. This led to me being cursed out in vile, creative fashion. But hey, those are the rules. And really, you should know, pizza is only acceptable at a wake if it's for one of the Ninja Turtles or for Kevin from Home Alone. <laughs> oh my funny. gosh, the Ninja Turtles. Um, drinking, death, and sex go hand in hand, but know your limits. A lot of people need a nip or two to get through the funeral. It's stressful and sure, you might want to take the edge off. Do not drink too much. Too many times I've witnessed people puking all over the bathrooms here. Ooh. Years from now, you never want to hear the question, hey, remember at grandma's funeral when you did seven cho- shots of tequila back to back at dinner and vomited in the potted plant? Ooh. Things can get even dicier when sex is added to alcohol. Death and sex have, a long, have long been connected in art and literature, a truth I see live out more frequently than you might expect. I had a funeral for an older woman who had a granddaughter about my age. The granddaughter was involved in the funeral arrangements, and during the afternoon visitation, everything went smoothly. As she was leaving, she invited me to the bar to join her for drinks between sessions. But seeing as I had to work the night session of the wake, I declined. Well, when she came back from the bar, she was bombed, staggered all over the place, knocking a plant down, slurring her words in... It was bad. She mentioned something about needing to talk to me, but I blew her off, chalking it up to buzz babble. When she disappeared for a while and the ruckus seemed to die down, I decided to slip into my office to decompress. Once I turned on the light, I saw that she was there, sleeping. I woke her up, more or less to make sure that she wouldn't vomit in there, and she immediately clung to my chest, talking about wanting to thank me. 
That hand on my chest surely made its way down to my crotch, and she was not letting go despite (gasps) my protest. What? Oh, my goodness. At that point, I knew I had to get her out of my office and off of my crotch. Since no good could come out of the situation, I started to steer her out of the office by by her shoulders while she began kissing my neck, making it out into the hallway. Luckily, one of her cousins saw me and pulled her away, and someone drove her home after that. At her grandmother's service the next morning, she couldn't even look me in the eye. Only after the casket was lowered did she come up and apologize. That's so awkward. Yeah. Hey, at least she came and apologized. Good for her. Like, True. at least she, like, manned up and, like, or I guess womaned, womaned up. up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, funerals are time for mourning, not for violent grudge matches. So emotions run high during funerals, so don't make things worse by continuing old grudges or starting new ones. One bad exchange can set off a power keg. I witnessed two brothers squabble over money for from the minute they came in to make arrangements. The morning of the funeral, it reached a breaking po- point. What started out as a loud argument in front of the casket progressed to a screaming match in the lobby. By the time I got to them, I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. Each brother was holding an unplugged floor lamp like a lightsaber, circling each other. It took me a second to process everything, but when I finally spoke up and told them how ridiculous the situation was, one of them smacked the other over the head with the lamp. I do have to respect the opportunistic nature of that fella, which led to a quick skirmish on the floor. It broke up pretty quickly, but it was uh, neither the time nor the place for it. The correct time and place would have had been at the ECW arena in 1997, and everybody left feeling pretty embarrassed. If you're not hammered, violent, or blatantly a rule breaker, most other requests are okay. On the other side of the coin, if you have a special request for your loved one, don't be scared to speak up. One person wanted me to play Nirvana on the way to the cemetery, but make it uh, because it was the deceased's favorite band. And they said, oh yeah, one more thing, crank it. You bet your ass I did. There wasn't a cooler hearse in the world that day. I got some strange looks from people as we passed on the street, but whatever. That's funny. I received a request to wear a Mets tie while doing a funeral to pass someone's favorite bar on the way to the cemetery, uh, cemetery, sorry, to lead an entire collection of people attending a funeral in singing the Golden Girls theme. Pretty much anything you can imagine. Have I rolled my eyes at some of the requests? Absolutely. But you know what? When you see how much it means to the family, it makes it all worth it. People don't really want to talk about death or funerals, and yeah, funeral directing is a strange job. Having your mortuary thrust in your face every day you go into work gives you a pretty unique outlook of life. Oh, sorry, that didn't make sense. Having your mortality thrust in your face every day going into work gives you a pretty unique outlook on life. I don't particularly mind the job as a whole. I wish it were more nine to five, but hey, I get to help people and that feels pretty good. Oh. All right. Who wants to go next? Tosh. We didn't decide beforehand. I'm going to go next. Was <laughs> <laughs> it ready? <laughs> Sorry. That sounded like the backyard again. Oh, Tasha. Tasha. <laughs> I'm Tasha. Also, sorry, because like we did mention, like we got sick from while on vacation. And so I apologize if I, when I laugh, I like have that rough like spot in my throat. <laughs> like from friends, are you going to be uh, Phoebe. Phoebe and get your sexy voice on, your sexy, sexy voice? I guess She's so. like, oh my gosh, I sound so much better oh like this. Gosh. <laughs> I just, I sound great. All right, here we go. So my information is titled 
Six things funeral direct, <laughs> you know, funeral directors are dying to tell you, but never will. <laughs> I love the puns. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. Okay. Also, the picture on this website is a, like a mug. Mm-hmm. Like think of the cozies you put like on your cans, and it says, "Have you hugged your funeral director today?" <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny. All right. First one is first off, they aren't who you think they are. Funeral directors aren't like bad apples that you read about in newspapers, and they're not vampire-like that you see on TV. They aren't trying to steal your money, scam you, or throw your loved one's remains into a creepy-looking freezer full of limbs. They are normal, whatever that would mean, people just like you, with families, with lives, and yes, with feelings. Well said. Thank you. Two, they aren't rich either. Every time people say they work in a funeral profession, someone always thinks or comes along with the lines of, well, at least you'll never have to worry about going out of business. Everyone's dying to get into your funeral home. Oh, my gosh. As strange as it sounds, this is far from the truth. Many funeral homes lose money actually every day. In fact, studies from Biauer of Labor and Statistics list embalming as one of the 15 disappearing middle-class jobs. Wow. Interesting. Don't think of your local funeral director as just sitting behind a desk rubbing his hands together behind a huge pile of money because, in fact, the funeral professionals whose businesses are on a decline are trying with all their might to adapt changing needs for people today in hopes of saving their business. Well, and I wonder, because it said there's not as much um, need for embalmers, so I wonder if more people are being cremated these days. That's possible. Because it's less expensive would be my guess. Oh, really? Yeah, I maybe. kind of just like the idea of being cremated better. Do you? The more time goes on. I don't know, because the dead bodies freak me out. Yeah, but you're dead. I don't know that I would I know, mind but... being cremated, but I would definitely want to have a viewing of my body so i'd be wasting money because you would have to involve me and then, then show me to everybody and then and then burn me. you so i might feel differently and i'm sure it's different because it's more for your family than you mm-hmm. but at the same time i'm like i don't need people to spend a ton of money on my funeral you know what yeah. i mean i'm almost just like it's fine go have like a little party go to olive garden go to olive garden <laughs> and have and a good time urn. take my urn with you <laughs> get, on bread the table and get me some <laughs> breadsticks <laughs> Uh, next one is what they do is not easy. You may think that it is just another five, nine to five, just kind of like, you know, you mm-hmm. mentioned, but that is not the fact. It's far from it. Funeral directors make themselves available to work all hours of the day, whether it's 4 a.m. or 11 p.m. It doesn't matter. You're talking so fast. I'm sorry. Because she's trying to get in it. As your breath. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Just maybe it's slow like, down. Just one like big breath. The tiniest bit. Okay. Sorry. It doesn't matter if they're at your daughter's dance recital or at their own family funeral. They still have to drop everything that they're doing to help your family because you've lost a loved one. So let's not forget to give their five senses of experience, smells, sound, and sights, des- deserved attention and recognition as they, as you could never and would never imagine like mm. the, what their job is. Yeah, it would, it's a hard job. And then also a career in a future professionalism is not the, for the faint of heart and certainly not for people who are not willing to put everyone and everything before themselves. Mm-hmm. That's true. You have to be a selfless person. That's true. And that kind of leads me to the next point is that not only do they care, but they care too much. Mm-hmm. So funeral directors deal with death every day and the people too. Just kind of like Lexi was like, oh, I didn't think about the fact that, you know, you're dealing with a grieving family. It says... When you cry, they want to cry. 
when you miss your loved one and want them back, they want them back too. Their own emotional needs often get swept under the rug so that they can better assist and serve you. This often leads for them to suffer with depression and isolation, as most funeral directors do. Mm. Yeah, well, it's like, it's kind of like doctors or like surgeons and mm-hmm. stuff too. It's like, you deal like having to tell people that their family, like their family member died and stuff. You have to be mentally strong to handle yeah. that. Mm-hmm. They're not, or excuse me. They are morticians, not magicians. Don't get me wrong. With a little elbow grease, funeral directors can make some magic happen, and they'll do everything in their power, even if it means traveling across from states to states to pick up your dog so that they could attend the viewing too. They truly try their best every time. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. And then last but not least, your genuine appreciation makes their job worth it. So just like teachers, funeral directors' efforts are always remembered but not expressed. Their satisfaction comes from knowing that they did the right thing in a near-perfect way. With that being said, something as simple as a thank you is what would make their day. It helps them know that they are doing this for a bigger cause and not just for money. It makes them get out of bed every morning, so the next time you are grateful and happy with how the funeral home services and how things had gone ran, give your funeral director a big hug and a thank you. Trust me, they'll appreciate it. That's such great advice. And I didn't really think about that either, but... No. Yeah. I I mean, the funeral home that took care of my mom and my dad did great jobs, and I don't think I ever really... I mean, I'm sure I kind of said thank you, like when they were handing me Mm -hmm. the thank you cards that we had purchased and like the plants or something, but... We should send them some flowers or something. That's a great idea. We should. Just 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 to brighten your day, here's some flowers. Thank you for taking care of my family. Let's do it. Done. We're doing it. Love it. Two last things I have. More and more funeral homes now have therapy dogs. As a vital part of a funeral director's job in comforting grieving families, so many funeral homes have now employed a full-time therapy dog to comfort and offer a furry shoulder to cry on. That's going to make me cry. I know. I love that so much. And then on top of that, um, I thought this was important to mention, they don't want to profit from the death of children. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, funeral directors directors provide funeral to families of stillborn babies and very young children at no cost not intending to make a profit they often do work with charities to help parents emotionally and financially after losing a child like the little angel gowns that volunteer groups make for burial garments for babies and uh, we'll we'll add a picture to that online there's like these adorable little like white uh like baby garment like gowns that a volunteer group like makes at yeah. one of these like wait homes. let me see i think um carla um dad's cousin oh yeah yeah she they were taking donations of people's wedding dresses and like prom dresses so that they could make those dresses for babies for deceased babies oh for like mother's day what is the company called oh i don't know what the company's called oh. As oh, mom pop culture, maybe. Oh, gotcha. I'm maybe trying not. to remember which one it is so that I could say, but I don't remember. But at work, probably like two years ago for Mother's Day, because our um, owner of our the boutique that I work at, she had a baby that died pretty young. Mm-hmm. We like teamed up with one of those companies that makes the outfits and stuff, or like blankets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. To like mm-hmm. you like donated stuff to them. Yeah, we did like if like this percentage of your purchase on Mother's Day would oh. go to that organization. Oh, the business to like help gotcha. with it. Yeah, but I was oh, like, that's, that's cute. That I was cute. Well, and it just reminds me. I know the Hill House 
The mm-hmm. Haunting of Hill House is not a true story, story. Mm-hmm. but how in there, you know, she's constantly giving people discounts and whatnot yeah. for the funeral home. I'm sure that that is true life, how it actually happens. And then, like, Daddy Dell, his his dad was just like, don't waste your money on me. Just bury me in a pine box in the backyard. And <laughs> we always teased, like, when we were doing his funeral, we're like, Dad, the pine box is, like, the most expensive one. one. Yeah, like, <laughs> like geez. The, the pine casket. It's that's funny. That is funny. So that's what I had. Lex, on to you. Okay. Mine's following a little more on the creepy Halloween vibe side. Perfect. I just, like, feel a little weird going no, from, good. like, the stillborn babies to that. Oh, okay. Well, that's not good. But I'm just meaning, like, it's good because our next episode will be... Spooky stuff. Spooky. The so spook- we're just... spooktacular. We're leaving them right. on a little edge for what's okay. to come. Okay. Here's a little sneak preview. There you go. Pum, pum, pum. Okay. So I got my story from Creepypasta, which... <laughs> just the best pasta. for you. It's notorious for me. Yeah, you've used it before. I know, I have used it before. Because that's where you find creepy stuff. Because that's where people go to post scary stories. That Half the time, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I don't believe them. But like this one, I believe. I believe. Anyway, he starts it out by saying, I was surrounded by dead bodies. Being a mortician, I was used to it, of course. It used to creep me out a little when I first got the job. But eventually, you get used to it and it just feels like another day at the office. After a while, I started talking to them like live patients, which is actually a pretty normal thing in my profession which i have heard that before that they'll talk to them because well, i mean sense. it's kind of just like talking to yourself yeah and like i don't know i would just think it would just like tasha when she's doing somebody's hair she talks because it's awkward not to talk, talk so I yeah think even though they're not alive you're still like you're face to face with a person. person i mean i'm sure they're probably like okay well miss you know william we're just gonna go ahead and you do know, this, yeah. Clear out the underneath your finger. Like they probably talk about what they're doing, mm-hmm. even though they're not there, because you, you know they, well, might, they be might be there. Be there. Yeah, yeah. Just, In spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you might think it distressing working with dead people all the time, but I actually enjoy it. In fact, I find it rather peaceful. Yes, it's much better than dealing with the rambunctious eccentrics of the living. The dead have no complaints, and they all act like model patients. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I would True. have to agree. That would probably be nice. My name is Mark, and I've been doing this for nearly 10 years. I work at the, oh my gosh, the Cranhausen. The Cranhausen? home. The same, how does it spell? Outside of Detroit's na- na- North End. Wait, <laughs> what? I read it. I'm sorry, say that again. It's, it's no, it's not the same. Oh, oh. never mind. I got, I was like, okay. whoa. Wait, we were thinking it was the same as. Uh, I thought it was the same one mom was talking no, about. Oh, that like would be crazy. Craft. Right? That would something, have been crazy. That would have been weird. Well, never mind. I got really we excited for no reason. We <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Anyways, he says, I work at the Crownhausen Funeral Home outside of Detroit's North End, one of the oldest in the state of Michigan. The cemetery has graves with intermittent, intermittent? Interment. Interment dates. Yeah, interment. What does that mean? Like when you get put in. It's your interment. Okay. When your interment starts. Okay. So the cemetery has graves with interment dates going back to the 18th century. The building itself is an old Victorian era mansion converted sometime in the early 19th century. Signs of antiquity. That's how you say that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, like antique. (laughs) Yeah. Show all throughout the ancient carpentry and masonry, giving the atmosphere of an earlier time when this region was almost entirely void of inhabitants. And it's probably that time period, probably very gothic design. Too. Mm-hmm. So it says our story starts in late December. In the wintertime, when the ground would freeze, we would have to wait until next year to begin burying the bodies. So until then, until then, 
The caskets would be temporarily placed in another old building in the cemetery for storage until spring closed in. It was my job to roll them out and place them in their temporary resting place. We generally tried to do this in the evening as the sight of caskets being moved around seemed to make the onlookers feel a bit uneasy. I remember how cold it was when I would push that dolly loaded with a casket through the path to the back of the cemetery. I hated it. It was always so cold and the dolly was heavy and would never want to maneuver in the snow. I would reach the old building exhausted and out of breath only to have to place the casket on a rack and make the return journey with the dolly still not wanting to cooperate. Sometimes when I was loading those caskets into the old storage building, I could hear the loud creaking of the ancient lumber accompanied by the uneasy feeling of being watched. The dead never bothered me, but there was something about that old building which I found rather unsettling. It had no windows, and the air inside was rank with rot and decay. The smell of mildew was so potent that it was nearly unbearable. Ugh, I hate the smell of mildew. I know. But they weren't keeping life people there, so they didn't have to worry about those health concerns. That's true. It seems as though I wasn't the only one who didn't like that place either. I was working on embalming one of my patients. As I said earlier, talking to the dead is common for me, even though it's a one-sided conversation. As I worked, I was explaining to him what, that I was going to put him up in the storehouse until the ground thawed. And this was the first time my imagination got the best of me because I swear to you, I heard him tell me not to take him there. I laughed to myself about it because after all, why would the dead care where they're resting at? It's not like being buried in dirt is any better than laying in an old building. True point. Then came spring and with it, the ground thawed out. This meant that it was time to start moving the caskets to their permanent resting place in the cemetery. It was a grueling task to perform, even though the obstacles of ice and snow were gone. Those caskets and their macabre contents weigh quite a bit, and moving... Macabre? Macabre. You made a face, and then I was like, I said it wrong. It's a bird. No. Okay, anyway. (laughs) So they weighed quite a bit, and moving them by myself was hard work, no matter what the weather was like. I was making the face because I was talking about how heavy my mom was when we had to move her for the fingernail polish, Mm -hmm. so... So then I was just like, oh, yeah, like, yep, yep, they're heavy. (laughs) Oh, so he said, for the reason of the weather, what was I going to say? Macaw? No. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Oh, so he's saying moving them was hard work no matter what the weather was like. And for that reason, they only did it like two or three of the mornings and the rest they would do their normal work. Oh, okay. So they would take breaks from doing that all the time. Okay, so he continues to say, It was early in the morning in late March, the exact day I cannot remember. It was still rather cold out despite the misleading light of fresh green grass. Sight, sorry, not light. (laughs) I grabbed the dolly and began the long walk to the storage building near the cemetery. I kicked along the path, silently resenting having to perform this task. I had other work to do and needed to get this over with. As I opened the iron door, it let out a loud creak and I pushed the dolly inside. I hesitated for a moment, not wanting to enter the building, still as the building still gave me an uneasy feeling. I put the dolly next to the rack with the casket I needed and began sliding the casket over. The old building was creaking loudly as I worked, first one end, then the other. Finally, I got it in place when my imagination started up again. I thought I heard a whisper saying, get out. Looking behind me, I saw nothing there and shrugged it off, getting getting ready to make my way back out. Just then, I heard a voice loudly yell the word, go. As rational thinking was being replaced by fear, I quickly shoved the dolly out the door, following closely behind it. I felt better just being back outside, and whatever I had just heard quickly became irrelevant. Maybe I imagined it, maybe it really was a ghost, and they just wanted to be left alone. As 
As I was mulling these thoughts around in my head, I heard another loud creak followed by a loud crash. At first, I was scared to turn around. It was so loud, it took me a moment to realize I was okay. When my heart rate started to calm down, I finally looked behind me. The old storage building had collapsed into a pile of rubble. All that remained now was a formless mound of broken boards, glass, and some nails. Oh, that's scary. If it had happened just one minute sooner, I would have died right then and there. I started thinking, was that why I heard the voice? Were my dead friends in there trying to warn the old ho- warn me that the old house was about to collapse? I think about it a lot, and there's too many coincidences to come to any real conclusions. But I did get one thing out of the whole experience. If a place gives you the creeps, stay away. Yeah, for reals. Yeah, I'm sure they probably were telling him. Which is why the other guy might have told him not to put him don't there take in the first place. Yeah. Like, don't take me there and then you won't have to come get me. And mm. Then you'll be safe. Yeah. I just thought that that was crazy. That was very interesting. And I agree. Like, whether that story is true or not, I'm sure that that has happened. Yeah. <laughs> with people, you know, that deal with the funeral industry. They've had people talk to them. Oh, yeah, sure. Definitely. I'm sure it happens more often than, like, they probably share. Yeah. They're probably just so used to it, too, though. Yeah, I would probably imagine. Like, oh, hey. Yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, that's. I just had that one story today. No, that's great. Perfect. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. Thank you, ladies, for letting going with my suggestion to do an episode about mortuaries. I liked it. And I hope everyone is super pumped for the spooktacular. Yep. Spooktacular. Coming to you from the Dead to the World podcast next Sunday. Be ready. Be dun, ready. Dun, dun. Join us next week to find out what happens when we are dead, dead to, to the, the world. world. <laughs>